Hey, it's your buddy Matt McCarthy. This is Rugby Wrap Up. I'm joined by, of course, two fabulous experts here in the States, and then my main man in Dublin, Ireland. That's George Hook. Georgie, what's cooking? Good looking? Uh, the problem with you, I have to say, is I can't understand the word you're saying. <laughs> Apparently, remedial English, English classes are now available uh, on East 42nd Street for foreigners who can't speak English properly. Brought to you by our friends of the British Council. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up, America's show out of New York City. I'm Matt McCarthy at Studio 34, the Fantasy Sports Network on West 35th Street, and I've got some big shots with me on the show today. Mr. George Hook calling in from Dublin, Mr. Steve Lewis, the Scotsman at large here in New York, and Mr. Martin Pengelly of the U.S. Guardian, and he's an Englishman, folks. Uh, Guys, we have the end of the Six Nations, unfortunately, but uh, it was a rousing Six Nations, and we have a lot to talk about. But before we talk about any of it, there's a couple of things that we have to get out of the way. Mr. Hook, you made a lot of prognostications uh, about the tournament, and I just want to say, Admiral Stockdale, who was Ross Perot's vice presidential candidate, said that a good offense, I'm sorry, said that a great defense was a great offense. And Jacob Stockdale had a great offense. Seven tries. That is something I want you to address right now. Do you want to say anything or do you want to take anything back about the Six Nations? I'm actually worse in the final week than I was on the first week. Uh, the Irish Times said this is the greatest Irish team of all time, encapsulating 125 years of rugby and saying this team of professionals could be compared with 100 years of teams of amateurs who were doctors, dentists, lawyers, bankers, accountants. You can't compare. Number two, everybody's talking about Stockdale seven tries in the championship. The record remains, I would remind you, since since 1925 and 1931, of eight tries in the championship with one less team, namely Italy. To, to balance, take Italy out of the equation and stop tens two, he scored five by a historical reference. He still can't defend and can he score tries? Yes, he can. Isn't it great? But if you want to tell me that Stocktail is a better wing than Earl's on the other side, then you're out of your tiny American mind. <laughs> but wait a minute. If you're scoring tries all the time, you don't have to defend. Good point. You don't? No. You're running the. <laughs> it's a new rule. It's a new law. It's a new law. Okay. And before we get to these guys, there's one other thing I want to say. You said, I believe, and I might be paraphrasing slightly, but I believe you said Joe Schmidt was the worst coach in Irish history. I'm here to say that Joe Schmidt is my best coach on the planet right now. What do you think of them apples? 
Well, you can certainly say that if you like your rugby that resembles the sun under General Haig in 1980, then that's fine. If you like your rugby without any passing, that's fine. If you like your rugby without any offloads, that's fine. If you want a game of attrition, which places an enormous uh, price on the physical health of its players, that's fine. This coach said on Saturday night, he applauded Johnny Sexton's, his words, insanity to come back on the pitch after a head injury. Sorry, that's not my kind of coaching. All right, hold on. Jo Johnny Sexton is standing there with the bloody nose telling everybody, I don't have to come off. It's just, I don't need to. He's telling the referee, I don't need to come off. I don't need to come off. He's, he's imploring that he can stay on the, on the pitch. He goes off. He comes back. Is that on Schmidt? No. No, no. Look, I realize the biggest contact sport you've ever played is the ultimate Frisbee. But in the case of the game that we witnessed on Saturday, Sexton was taken off for a head injury assessment. And the coach said that he, it was insanity that he came back, but he applauded it. He didn't say he had a bloody nose and he wandered back on. He said it was insanity. I don't, I don't want my game. I don't want my grandsons or maybe even my granddaughters playing a game in which it, players who are insane and come back with disrespect for the state of their health is not the game I want. And I'm a 76-year-old, self-confessed, born-again curmudgeon. And you can take it or leave it and get somebody else on next year who ruined <laughs> your trendy ideas. All right, okay. I got to give my colleagues here a shot at this. Uh, the, the Stockdale Joe Schmidt debate. Yeah, well, I think despite George's, you know, relentless misanthropy... Um, You've got to applaud Ireland. I mean, it isn't entertaining. You're absolutely correct. But it's efficient. It's accurate. And from a um, professional rugby perspective, it is about as good as it gets. Um, the amount of possession, the, 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 the lack of errors, you, you do have to applaud them in this day and age when there's pressure on every week, when your opponents are professional, that they're still performing at this level. So credit where credit's due. I mean, Ireland won fair and square, and um, they're looking pretty good right now. Martin? I will agree with Steve. Good Lord. Yes, I will agree with Unicorns. Steve. Unicorns. Wow. <laughs> a pig just flew by the studio window. Credit where credit's due. Uh, maybe uh, I'm saying this as a bitterly disappointed Englishman through my tears, which have been copious since the weekend. But um, Ireland's <laughs> professionalism and lack of mistakes... Compare it to the other five teams. It's on a different planet. So they deserve it. They're not... I stick by what I said last week. They're not as good as... Um, as I think. A, I don't think they're a Grand Slam good team, although you don't, obviously don't have to be. Many years people win Grand Slams without being a stratospherically good team. But they thoroughly deserve to win the championship and they won it unbeaten. All right, I, I got to say, you know, a win... When you win a championship, is it really about how you won the championship or is it the fact that you won the championship? Uh, look at professional sport results. Right. Look, look at, you know, Super Bowl. I, I, I'm going to go to the American sports here, George. And uh, not my professional uh, touch Frisbee career, but you got the NFL, you got the NHL. The, 
the NHL specifically, the one year where the Florida Panthers played that that trap game where they just clogged the middle of the ice the entire time and didn't let anybody score, but it got that team to the finals. They ultimately lost. But I think a win of a championship is what fans want. You had how many people are happy in Ireland right now, George? Everybody except me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Well, so let's get to the nitty gritty of about England. Let's talk about we're gonna, England. We're getting we're getting to England. We're getting to England. But first, I, I have to I have to ask uh, you guys remember your predictions for how these the the uh, tournament was going to pan out, and and I'll give you a guess as to who was the only person. Out of the four of us that got the top two teams correct in predicting this tournament. Plain squirrel, acorn. Uh, I I beg to differ, sir. (laughs) I beg to differ, sir. But anyway, yeah, yours truly picked Ireland as first and Wales as second. And Martin, you picked Ireland first, but you picked Scotland second. And you two, well, you two are the rest of the the, (laughs) the bottom feeders out there. But, okay, that aside, let's get to the matches. And we're going to run out of time in this segment. Well, let's start with England versus Ireland at Twickenham on St. Paddy's Day. Stephen? Well, both wheels are now officially off the chariot <laughs> for Eddie and the, uh, my southern cousins. Um, it was a more comfortable win than the final scoreline suggested. Obviously, Ireland got up pretty early. England showed signs of life towards the end, last 20. Played reasonably, but England got some issues now. They... Uh, Unfortunately, they're going into a tour in South Africa, which is no real place to um, get your confidence back or blood new players, but they're kind of going to have to. They've got three tests over there. That's next up for them. They've got a tough road to hold going forward. George, I'm with you on Eddie, ja- on Eddie Jones. I don't think you can lose three, these three matches and, and survive, but somehow he is surviving. Should he be sacked? Well, I think he will be sacked. But, uh, you know, the, the great advantage of Martin Pangeli on the panel is he demonstrates the calm demeanor of your average Englishman. So uh, back home at Twickenham, the RFU committee is meeting over gin tonics, and it will very quietly, very gentlemanly get rid of Jones. They have to. I mean, what you saw on Saturday, and in fact, in the previous two games, um, was appalling rugby. But there's a reason for it, which goes beyond Jones. Two of the teams in the championship, their players play more rugby than any other players in the championship, namely England particularly, and France secondly. Ireland and Scotland, their players play the least number of games. So they are arriving at this championship in immeasurably better physical shape than particularly England. And I think what we saw in England's case was not that its players are less talented, but that its players are more tired. And I think that's a key component which we cannot underestimate. Martin, uh, you with your calm demeanor over there, I know that you were actually uh, you were in the pack, and I know that you were thinking about the forwards and the flankers in particular with England, and Dan Lyle on his show with um, Alex Corbacero and Lee Diffie on NBC, 
was talking about that being a problem. And I know that you had mentioned that being a problem too. Yeah, well, it's a problem if, if to try and sort out your breakdown problem, you bring in James Haskell, who has got many strengths. I'm a Haskell believer, didn't used to be, but one of his strengths is not sorting out the breakdown, and lo and behold, it's a problem again. Um, losing Sam Underhill to injury was a blow, although he's not the finished Haskell by any means, but he's probably about the closest England have got to a, a seven of a sort of Hamish Watson kind of stature. Um, there are some others in the Premiership. Uh, Matt Kvesic doesn't seem to be quite rated by a succession of England coaches, but he's been there and thereabouts. Um, they need flankers who can sort the br- sort the breakdown out. They seem to have realised Courtney Laws is not a six. That's one thing, but you still don't have that ferreting, fetching, disrupting... Mongrels transfer. from Scotland. Watson and Barkley <laughs> and Gray. Yeah. yeah. The amount of tackles he put in. Well, I think George said a couple of weeks ago, it was really... It was beautifully put that Scotland's entire rugby history has been based on larceny uh, <laughs> it's true larceny at the ruck is a skill and Scottish flankers tend to have it I, I've, I regard um, John Jeffrey and particularly Finlay Calder as sort of personal gods at this 25 year 30 year removed from, from hating and fearing them when I was an England fan and a kid because they used to steal England's ball all the time get all over it mess it up England or you know England have decent open side fetches of course they always produce them winter bottom back etc but at the moment they haven't got them all right well we have to take a break and just one final thought for me on this is that it seemed to be just watching this thing from the get-go that the problems were about positions for england i i was against the ford farrell experiment and i was against the the long bodies as your back row guys but you know maybe he was forced into certain things by injury but he talked a, an enormous game. I'm talking about Eddie Jones. Talked an enormous game, and it all f- backfired completely on him. So for that reason, I am completely in cahoots with my friend George Chuck and saying Eddie Jones has got to go, and we got to go take a break right now and pay some bills. We'll be right back on Rugby Wrap Up. If you're just joining us, this is a big match and a big moment as Kleister's toes the line. You know, John Anderson has really been struggling out there today. mistake as Kleister's clinches another title. Don't let your nutrition get in the way. USANA, the official multivitamin of the WTA. I've been to Dublin and I didn't have a single idea of what you guys were talking about. The best English in the world has spoken in Dublin apparently. I still don't know why you drink warm beer. It makes no sense to me, but I'm respectful of that being your tradition. That being said, shepherd's pie was fantastic. Alright. Where's McCarthy? He decided to leave. He said he was tired of what you were saying about him. He's not the first to have that opinion. Actually, he went to the bathroom. You know, at his age, sometimes you have to go a lot. All right. All right. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle, on West 36th Street. And welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in New York City at the Fantasy Sports Network, Studio 34 on West 35th Street. Mr. George Hook, Mr. Steve Lewis, Mr. Martin Pengelly joining me. We just had Mr. Craig Carton in here. Uh, that's another story, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a family studio here in New York City. Anyway, gentlemen, we left with Martin Pengelly, uh, and you were talking about England, but we're going to segue now into the 
uh, Wales-France game, gentlemen. Not that anybody really paid much attention to this, except for yours truly, who picked Wales as second, and nobody else did at this in this pundit panel. Anyway, enough about me. I got a question for you right off the bat, George, about this this particular setup. Would you rather have Warren Gatland or Joe Schmidt as your head coach? Uh, well, um, I, I used to be quite tough on Warren Gatland, and somebody said to me, you got to ease up, George. He's his own worst enemy. And I said, not while I'm alive, he isn't. Um, so uh, I don't have a lot of time for Warren Gatland, and I don't have a lot of time for Joe Schmidt in different ways. Um, Gatland was lucky in his move to Wales. I, I mean, he had a disaster as coach to Andy, had to go. Um, that's different from the Schmidt situation, which is like a, almost just spiritual difference between me and him. If you're talking about coaching, you have to talk about France and Italy, who we have seen really dramatic change, and coaches are at the root of it. All right, fair enough. Martin, who is the Welsh fly half? Um, it's usually a very sedentary person who could be. <laughs> I, I think Wales are that Wales. Wait, wait, I mean, maybe maybe I could say that Wales um, sum up some of the de- more depressing aspects of the Six Nations for me. That at ten and fifteen, two of the most important attacking positions, they have nothing in attack. They play the, they're playing this wider game and doing the best, and it's working to some extent. But that's uh, in spite of what's coming out of 10, I think. And in Halfpenny, they've got this great kicker and defensive fullback who has absolutely no pace whatsoever and has made an international career. I think I'm as quick as him. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I just I found... It's a fact check. That's the fact checker of the US Guardian, by the way. Yeah, I am responsible yeah. for, for veracity. Um, I uh, Wales-France was another 80 minutes involving France that I will never get back. And I was watching it at the same time as editing The Guardian, as I do. And if The Guardian coverage suffered as a result of that, I apologise. Normally I don't. But in that, it's ju- it was just dispiriting. It was bad. Um, Wales tried more. They made that break with Falatau, um, which ended in a pass over the head into touch. It was just dreadful. Yeah. And I think, the, the, uh, as has been touched on today, the, the Fran- one of the France's problems is, like England's, their players are heavily used. But they're also used heavily and heavy them- themselves. They're just great big lumps who run straight into people slowly, and it is terrible. Yeah, it is. I've, I've really obje- objected to this France team, because again, I'm harking back to 1990-91 when I was impressionable, impressionable in 13 and 14 years old. The French teams then, what teams, what players, what forwards, what big monstrous forwards like Benazi and uh, Champ and Session, people like that, who could play? With some pace, with backs who could really play like La Fond and Menel. Le French Flair. Yeah, which has become a cliche, but it's like you look at this French team now and it's just dreadful. I'm probably overdoing it, but it's just, yeah. well, it's it, just depressing. All right, well, Steve, speaking of cliches. Yeah, uh, well, the, pulse, the pulse is stronger in French <sighs> rugby. They're off life support. There's too many good players. There's too much money. They'll get it together. They're back. They're not back, back. Uh, do you, are you, somebody fl- flipping uh, you some francs here? Because you you did when you did claim that they were on live support. You're now claiming everything is great. But the one thing that we all collectively got correct was picking France fifth and Italy sixth. So where is this big improvement? If, where if, is this? I'm just going to interject. If France have a pulse, it is of a resting or nearly dead diplodocus. It is ridiculous. 
Go ahead and squash this pulse. Dead Diplodocus for 200, Alex. Okay. All right. Wow. We, we have really, you know, I got to cut you guys off from the, from the fruit punch. Uh, George Hook, we're going we're gonna to move on out of the, well, we've got to talk Italy, Scotland first, right? I don't want to completely ignore your boys, Stephen, but George, should Gregor Townsend get the axe for abysmal performances by Scotland versus Wales, Ireland, and even Italy? Uh, my two favorite coaches are Conor O'Shea and Gregor Townsend. And what Townsend has done with Scotland is, in one sense, magnificent uh, in the way they are trying to play the game. Unfortunately, he is burdened by some of the most incompetent international rugby players on the planet. The nadir of their performance came in the last two weeks when they couldn't pass the ball against Scotland or Italy. Passes went directly into touch against Ireland with two and three man overlaps and the ball went straight in touch, missing every hand and every head. They, Italy, they were awful against Italy. They were quite simply awful. Now, what O'Shea has done is very interesting. Women, Italy finished third above Scotland and Wales in the Women's Championship. Italy finished above Scotland and Wales in the Under-20s Championship, beating both of them and playing wonderful rugby. So what we're going to see at Italy is three, four, five years from now, if O'Shea stays, we're going to see a really vibrant Italy. In France, I'm half Martin and I'm half Stephen. Of course, there's a pulse, but the problem is there is no component. Ron Nogara, the Irish fly half, was coached at Racing, and he said you could not get the players to do any fitness training. All they were interested was either passing the ball or crashing into each other, but they cannot play the game for 80 minutes. Therein lies the problem, Martin's right. And then they are playing too much rugby. So you add those two together and you can't fix France. And until the big money is taken out of the French game and the English game, and you have centrally contracted players, England and France can't succeed. Well, you got to feel for a guy like Sergio Perese because it's like he's going to be in the, the portrait of that boulevard of broken dreams, you know, with... You know, 135 caps, 100 defeats, but that's a legend. He's still a legend. I get it. I get it. But if you're him, do you keep plugging away or do you retire from international or from the, from the, from the international test rugby and just concentrate on your professional contract here on out? Yeah, he's probably done now. There's a lot of wear and tear in that body. Well, he's going to probably go through the World Cup, right? But the- I, uh, sorry, guys, guys, I wouldn't pick Parise. Uh, O'Shea, it's the one mistake he's making picking uh, Parise because Parise still thinks he's got 30, not 135 gaps. If you study what he's done the last two games, he's hardly hit a receiver with a pass. He has played exceedingly badly, and it's time to call it a day because he then won't dominate on the pitch, and the players will be looking at the, the coach rather than at Parise, and he is the biggest single problem for Italy today. But wait a minute. In his defense for a second, 
when you don't play with any decent players on your team, maybe it's just, you know, you form that habit of keeping the ball or maybe not giving it off. That, that's horseman you're McCarthy. You have a high standard of horseman you're, I must say. But first of all, Mizzoni is the best fullback in the Six Nations Championship by a comfortable margin. Wales would have him in a heartbeat. Tommaso Allen was man of the match this weekend at fly half. The young scrum half is a real talent. And the back and row minus Parise would put the English back row in a box. The problem is they don't have enough, but they are getting better. Interesting. All right, we're getting the we're getting the barking in the headphones from downstairs uh, because we're running out of time. I, I want a, a general quest, two general questions on the tournament, and I'll give each of you thirty seconds to answer both of them. We'll start with one first. The first one is video referees became a uh, you know they're they're a big influence on matches right now. Should they remain in the Six Nations? Should they be um, changed? Do you keep them? What do you do with the with the video referees? And maybe you make them tournament to tournament, or you just you got to keep them. Uh, if it's a pie in the sky answer, because they're going absolutely nowhere because the the stakes are too high. That's why they're in and they're used so much. But my hope is that they get put into a metal locker and sunk in the English Channel. I think human error should be part of rugby. You had the Wales decision, which uh, I was happy went the way it did Wales-England. You had Rob Carney looking like he knocked on in the first try night against England-Ireland, which made me very upset. I'd rather you just took it out and go with the ref. But it's you, infuriating. George, go ahead. Here, here. Stephen. Keep him. Keep him. Too much at stake. Um, I, would, I do feel, however, referees need to grow up here because they just default to the uh, video review now. But the, you, you, you can make the argument, though, that the the review was there for the Wales-England match. This is my argument I'm making. It was, it was there inexcusable. For it was there for Wales-England, and, and it went that way. It was there for Ireland-England, and it went the other way. It's like you, it's, it's video, video yeah. evidence doesn't work. You know, I work in news. I know that you can't trust what you see just because it's on video. Nothing works. It's human, human error is still coming into it with the video in both those cases. Right. So why not just scrap it and have human error and just live with it? Craig right. Schubert. Right. Okay. Uh, Glenn Newman. Um, <laughs> final question. Actually, I'm just asleep. Quick, okay, I got, asleep. I got two more quick questions. Uh, George, can Ireland win the World Cup? No. <laughs> they cannot win the World Cup. Why not? They're ranked number two in the world. We have never reached the semi-final of the World Cup in our history. I think our target ought to be to get to the semi-final before we think about winning the entire competition. So I'd be happy if we make the semi-final for the first time ever, which we should, given Scotland are in our group, which is a walkover. All right. And final question or final topic. It's not the Six Nations, but we have to address it real fast. The incident in Spain. I think everyone's aware of it by now. Um, to me, world rugby sort of, you know, passing the buck here by saying it's rugby Europe and the referees were chosen, you know, months ahead. I, I don't think it's acceptable. It's a World Cup qualifier, impartiality. You've now put the referee in a ridiculous position. You've now had bad Spanish behavior, um, justified or not, it's bad behavior. Um, just a mess all around. Gonna have to agree with Steve. That's twice second, now. The second time in yeah, one. Yeah, this is crazy. Show. I'm going to go home and have a lie down. But should they replay the match? No, it's done. You shouldn't replay the match. Spain 
whether they forfeited any kind of any sympathy, I'm not sure, but they shouldn't have done what they did. You don't replay it, but bad. George, what do you make of the Samoan coach saying that he he was preparing for Spain, so he knew that they're they make there's this conspiracy that they knew that they'd be playing Spain because the game was fixed. Incompetence rarely fits into conspiracy theories. Steve is right. It's just sheer incompetence. But at the same time, if Steve says there's too much at stake with video referees, then there must be too much at stake for <laughs> rugby Europe. If you're going to have too much at stake argument, then you need the highest competence, not the kind of incompetence that surrounded that game. Post hoc ergo proctor hoc, I think that is, right? The two two things being related anyway we'll we'll leave that we'll leave that we'll leave you guys with that on that note uh and on that note we are out of time my friends unfortunately but we'll be back talking more rugby next week and i want to thank mr george hook from dublin mr steve lewis from scotland and mr martin pengelly from england i'm matt mccarthy here at the studio 34 fantasy sports network talking rugby in new york city signing off